Welcome to Talk That Talk. We have the unfiltered, unscripted, uncomfortable conversations about band, HBCU band culture, music, education, and more. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and also find us on all social media networks at Real Talk That Talk. And now, let's start the show. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and get this thing started. First of all, first of all, um, we had one heck of a weekend. Um, a lot of battles that went down, a lot of games that went down, actually. Um, and so, uh, real quick, uh, who played this weekend? I know Alabama State played this weekend. Southern played this weekend. I think Southern and Miles played this weekend, right? Yeah, and then uh, Jackson and um, Tennessee State. Jackson, Tennessee State. Um so, yeah, a lot of great things going on this weekend. So, uh, Mario, did you see any of those this weekend? Man, I watched that Southern and Miles uh, fifth quarter, bro. I didn't see the game, man, but Miles need to go back, figure it out, bro. They got to go back, figure it out. It was getting thrashed, bro. It was just – it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't good at all. Miles has a lot of stuff to work on, too, man. Just like – and it's not to shade they program or nothing like that because I've heard them actually sound better than they sound this year. So, I don't know. I don't know what's going on over there, man, but uh, they didn't do their best against Southern, I tell you that. You know, so but I saw that. Also, Tennessee State. Tennessee State is like the band. If it's if Southern is, is up there, Tennessee State's right there, bro. Like, uh, Tennessee State is having a great year. That Loki, man, that shit sounds great, dog. <laughs> so I'm loving Tennessee State. Yeah, man. I think it's a – I will say, I think it's a beautiful thing that people are writing stuff out of the box now. Right. Um, you know, I, I am a very, very big advocate on that. You know, ask Rick. I'm always writing something that's left field uh, that, that somebody won't be thinking of. Uh, there's there's one song that I still want to make sure I get on somebody's stand. Uh, I know we we ran through it in the band room, but I'm not I'm not going to put it out there because I don't want anybody to to uh, get any ideas. But I'm definitely an advocate for writing stuff that's out of the box. So that's that's great. Um Rick, any thoughts? Uh, were you able to watch any of the um, games from this past weekend? I was able to watch them all. Uh-oh. Um, you know I'm going to keep it real. Yeah. The realest uh, Jackson against Tennessee State. The realest post I saw was in the uncut group. Somebody said, right now, Jackson 0-2. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that shit had me laughing, but it's just the truth. I'm sorry, man. Tennessee um, State put about half – they went halfway up the leg foots in the ass mm. on them this this weekend. And then the worst part about it was they're going to play that last rap daddy. And it was nice. I ain't going to lie. That last uh, chart that Jackson played was – they was bringing it. And then they're going to try to hit the who do I turn to at the end like they smashed them the whole time. I'm sitting there like, dog, it's so disingenuous because y'all just got all types of foots. Put up in y'all. I don't know about the dancers. Maya, give us that. But the band wasn't even close. Tennessee State. I think the thing that people are starting to realize now about Tennessee State is how consistent they've been. Like, Tennessee right. State always good. I remember back in the day, Mario, you remember this. When we were in school, everybody thought, you heard Tennessee State was playing The Price is Right. And they used to rock that Price is Right. Do, 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 do. Go look it up, y'all. Tennessee State Price is right. So I got a whole I got a whole experience with Tennessee State, bro. Like it was it was July uh, July 10th, 2001, when I decided to not go to Tennessee State and go to Norfolk State, dog. Literally two weeks before band camp started. 
I was like so going to tag talk to you know uh prof at, at at Tennessee State and everything. I was just I was Tennessee State, bro. You can't be no baritone player coming from Cass and not go to TSU at that time, man. You know what I'm saying? So I was just like, I was going there. And then Doc hit, hit me with the Smiths. So he came in there and swooped me on out. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's how I went. I love, I got mad love for AOB, man. And Jackson's a good band, man. I think the biggest thing that's holding Jackson back right now is the song selection. Tennessee yeah, they State, got, he, yeah. They got a better book. They need a better book, bro. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> it's not, it's not the plane. Like, Overall, they sound fine. They sound like Jackson has sounded over the last couple of years. I think Mr. Little is doing great work, or Dr. Little, I'm not sure. I think that he has done a good job of changing the timbre of the band, and I think they play well. I just think they need to step the, the creativity up. So that's that one. Um, Southern and Miles. Oh, my God. Oh, oh. my God. <laughs> oh, my God. They're cranking on us. Oh, my God. But um, Southern was Southern. You know, I think we always going to say that, you know, they, they didn't do anything that wasn't Southern-ish. Um, thought they, um, you know, they sound fine. They sound like Southern. Same consistency you expect from them. Uh, Miles. Oh, man. And I know Brother Snipes, man, good brother. Oh, man, it was a rough weekend. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I couldn't get past that first that brandy song and them mellophones and oh my god! <laughs> I'm like, does anybody at Miles own a tuna? This <laughs> like not use the tuna. Better throw them shits, right? Y'all, y'all got cellphone. Y'all better download tuna energy, but, um, <laughs> Everybody has that on they stand, bit. Right? No, yeah. not there. Not there. They got. They got a picture of a tuna on the stand because it won't be used. So um, that was the first. Yeah, this intonation was just all over the it place. It was tough, man. It was rough all night. They were trying to outblow Southern, which is the, the mistake that many bands make when they get there. They lose the character of their sound and try to be them. And I think that happened again. Song selection again. And I think that's really the strength that Southern has. Yeah, they sound they sound like Southern. You know, they sound fine. But if for some reason, man, the songs that they play just hit different. And people, you know, they really are relatable to people. I thought I didn't think this was their best song selection, but it was damn sure better than Tennessee. I mean, than uh, Miles College. So Miles, like Mario said, go back to the drawing board. That won't hit, homie. Yeah, dog. And it's then, um, and Julian, I got to give an honorable mention, man. Right now, in the lead for me, in the lead for me, this is me in particular, most improved band of 2021 is going to Alabama State. Alabama State. I said it. Remember what I told you? I said it. I told you. Go check them out. Yeah, between Alabama and, you know, we can throw them in there a little bit, Texas Southern. They are probably the two most improved bands that I've heard. Like, I have not heard – Alabama State sound like this. Yeah, I know some of the alumni will be mad with us and all that. I'm sorry, y'all. Your band ain't sound like it sounds this year. And I think that the band is doing some great things. I'm anxious to see where where this band goes. Kudos to Alabama State and the directors there. I don't know who they are, but y'all are doing some great work. Man. Yeah, I'm well, looking forward to hearing them through the season for sure. Let me let me really quickly say something about Alabama State. So 
Oh, before you go, man, uh, we want to make sure we get Maya in here, man. She ain't get a chance to say her due. Well, no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm not even going to be long. I'm not even going to be long. I oh, okay, okay. These two things. The first thing I want to say is, one, um, I had to call Rick and told him literally on the phone, like, bro, I have never in my life heard Alabama State like this. And, and Rick said it. Rick said it. I got to say it again. Listen. Alabama State has some good things there in that program. Don't get me wrong. And they have in the past, but it's never sounded good. Never sounded good. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. Matter of fact, I'm not sorry. It's never sounded good, right? This year, by far. I don't know about that. I, nah, bro. I'm, I'm sorry. This year, 2017, far, I like Alabama State sound good in 2017. I disagree, but okay, that's fine. But uh, We played them in 17. They didn't exactly, sound good. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. Um, well, but I heard him against Norfolk State, so that's as much as I heard him. So I guess that's cool. <laughs> Queen City. But this this year by far has got to be the best I have ever heard them. And I want to make sure I, I I give one big shout out to one person. This guy, this guy. I don't know if you can see him in the corner up there, Mister Justin to the Sky Drum Major. Uh, he is the drum major. Uh, he he made the drum major at Alabama State. And you know he was the drum major um, previously at uh, what, what's, what's the name of the school, Rick? Uh, uh, we did the um, podcast with. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. Oh, but yeah. and I'm only giving him a shout out because of this one reason, right? He is a he. He's not black, obviously. He's a white, oh, a young white man who was Jeff Davis, Jefferson Davis. Thank you, yeah. Jeff Davis. He's a young white guy who's and 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 an, you know musician and all that, but he's entering into a space that we know that is predominantly African American, right? He's going to an HBCU program, and one thing that I've appreciated about him, even seeing him at Jeff Davis and now seeing him at Alabama State, is he just gets it. He just does it, and he does it very well. I think you could have put him in any program, and I think that he would have done a great job of just you know. Uh, conforming and doing a great job of being a great drum ma drum major. So, I want to give a, sh a shout out to him because he gets it. Um, but I want to talk about that too. I want to bring that up, and, and I know, I know that's why. Eventually, I'm gonna disagree, but me too. I'm like, yeah. No, I know why. I know why, and I and there's a reason why, and I get that reason because when I thought about it, uh, when I thought about it, you know what he did. Um, it, it made me want to think about a topic and I don't know, we, I, I may throw that in here tonight because it, it's something that I, I do want to actually discuss, but I, I did want to definitely give a big shout out to Alabama state because they definitely sound, uh, a lot different than, than what they've sound before. All right. Um, Maya, let's, let's see what you got. She said, um, uh, what you want? All right, go ahead. Um, <laughs> Didn't Alcorn play this weekend? I I'm think to, I, I think I'm, they did some type of performance that I, would, I, that I was looking at were from this past weekend, or if they were old. But um, all dancer wise, I think. Um, let's see. I mean, okay, so prior to like past years, maybe what is this twenty one? Maybe between like twenty eighteen. Um, 2018 and, and well, maybe like 2016, 2017, up until now. Um, Gigi's like, I don't know, I've been 
more and more impressed with them. Prior to that, I wasn't really feeling them, but I don't know for the, for whatever reason this year. They definitely jamming. Let's see who else. The thing is, the whole situation of being at Auburn, they didn't have much room to do much of anything. So I guess that's just like I don't know. Let's see who else. Miles, I didn't. Even, I didn't really take a good look at the Golden Stars this week. Honestly, I kind of forgot about them. In 2010, 2009-2010, when I was making my decisions of where actually I was going to go, I was looking at them, and I was feeling them, but I haven't up with them within the past 10 years. Uh, who else? I have to say, uh, okay, so just Jason, that's the, the uh, videos that I saw. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not even I think that they're still routine. I think that they're finally getting back to that traditional or closer to the a, a newer version of the traditional JSS style, which I think people have been waiting on appreciating. So that's always good. Um, who else? Who am I missing? Uh, you already them. Um, oh, yeah. You mentioned Southern already, didn't you? Tennessee State? No. Oh, Tennessee State. So Southern... I don't think I, no, I haven't talked about them this week. Um, improvement from last week, definitely. However, I don't know. It's still lackluster. Not I won't say lackluster. That's 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 aggressive. Um, it's just still not comparable to what we've seen in the past on the field. They did. Uh, they they brought out the partner, um, the drum major, and I think it was symbols or different uh, guys from the band. They did up their partner dance this week. I think yeah. it's kind of earlier in the season that they did that, but I mean, it was cute. They did what they needed to do. Um, Tennessee State, sophisticated lady, very, 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 very impressed. I don't know what Missing Miss Diana's doing. I don't know if maybe like I, I don't know what the, I took over leadership if she's just a part of the staff or whatever the case is. But you can definitely tell that whether it's the captain, whether it's the staff or whether it's a comprehensive mixture of everything, what they're doing over there, they're definitely putting them on the map and and, and, and giving them a shift and giving giving the girls a run for their money. So I'll be interested in for the rest of the season. Very okay. quick capture of <laughs> what Julie, yeah, Julie, I think it would be beneficial, man. We every week we just put up our list of our top five bands and Maya can do her top five dancers. If I had to do it right now, I'm going Tennessee State. I'm going Southern. I'm going Alabama State. I'm going, and this is just from this weekend. I'm, you know, obviously it'll change week to week. I'm going Jackson, and down at the bottom, I'm going Miles. Just from the groups I stand. Okay. Um, so yeah. yeah, actually, same kind of list for myself too. Okay. I, I think that's fair. Um, well, since since we're in the mood of that, uh, Maya, what about yourself? What do you think? My top? Um, number one, I would say K ladies. Two, I would say Golden Girls. Three, I would say... Jackson State four, I would say. Southern five, I would say. I, I don't remember. I got to go Who is sophisticated lady and Golden Girls, man? Right? Sophisticated lady, Tennessee State. And then Golden yeah. Girls is all yeah. okay. 
Look at me knowing the that. Look, look at me knowing the Lions' names. Period. I only I only know Tennessee State because I was gonna go to Tennessee State, so I I, I got a new mass up about their band. So uh, I guess you got scared and started running. All right, so yeah, that's, what, that's um, exactly what it was. <laughs> Weak. <laughs> All right, man. So yeah, man. So I, I think it was a great weekend. We got another weekend coming up, um, and so you know we're gonna we're gonna keep our eyes on it and see what's what's happening out there in the band community. Um, so yeah, I. I Thank you guys for your input. Let's get ready. Let's move on and um, really, really dive in. And let's get to talking before uh, Mario calls. All right. So long band rehearsals, dog. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, So I'm going to start talking about a situation that kind of happened this weekend. Um, If you all didn't know, uh, Nathan Hamer was actually released this weekend. Uh, I think it was this past weekend past week uh, this past week so nathan hamer was released this week so you know shout out to nathan hamer um yep. oh hold on let me let me go ahead and, yeah i, I want to do it right now um but um you know when i when i looked at the fact that he was released uh and then i really started looking at you know southern show and and really quick just to kind of go back to the shows i do want to show a lot of uh love and respect to southern man because i think they've done three different drills already i don't think they've repeated the same drill uh so i do want to give a shout out to southern i want to give out a a shout out to texas southern as well uh for their tribute to uh, well everybody a lot of the people did tributes to 9-11 of course um and so i do want to shout out to everybody who's done those tributes to 9-11 and things like that but i was really um just kind of impressed with the fact that i think southern has changed up their show um, and they have not been doing the same show. And I thought that was very interesting. But outside of that, though, one of the things that I started listening to was the arrangements. Um, and when, as it relates to arrangements, you know, I'm starting to, to feel like a lot of them are very, very similar in nature. Um, and it kind of goes back to something that we we kind of talked about before but i think at this point it's starting to run rampant more or less because i thought about a conversation that we had uh even just with maya and so my question is and 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 if i need to you know rephrase it don't worry i will but my question is are we in search of southern are we in search of southern meaning are we are we trying to get or trying to be what Southern is and uh, in, in some type of way? Are we trying to be what Southern is? So are we in search of Southern? Uh, Mario. Yeah, I think that format that. Mar- so like to my understanding, let me say this first. Um, I wasn't preface this part. I didn't get a chance to research this, but to my understanding and anybody in the comments or who's listening can ch- can uh, fact check me on this one because I don't know for sure. But to my understanding, that structure, that marching band structure, the way we do like rap tunes, like the drum break, um, either Jackson or Southern, from my knowledge, the, the schools to kind of like establish that. And I feel like that's been this the this like this standard format for most of the songs for so long. And now that people aren't playing 
they're playing all these um you know trap music and all the stuff that already is in the same keys a lot of these songs are in the same keys they're they are written in similar formats it's like it does sound familiar and one of the things that um shout out to norfolk state um because one of the things i do love about norfolk state is clarity um and shout out to alabama state and, and tennessee state for clarity i feel like you can hear parts and things that like moving things that are happening in the song um, with Southern, um, they're loud, they're clear-ish sometimes. I just feel like sometimes I don't, it just sounds so loud and it's just like full. So it's just like, oh, that's cool. It's good. But we, sometimes these songs, I don't be know. I don't know what these songs are. And maybe that's like me being an old man too. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm disconnected from some of that music. So when it comes to like these arrangements, it does feel like you're listening to the same thing from bands over and over and over. Fifth quarters feel like kind of like fifth quarters used to be like, oh, we won't whip out this song. Nobody can return like non returnables. Like that's what I thought a fifth quarter was supposed to be about. Like, you know, but I feel like everybody's doing rap songs in the fifth when I thought rap songs were supposed to be for the game because they could be stopped at any point where you can go to a drum break and then bring it back around. But people doing the rap songs in the fifth quarter. And I'm like, that's kind of lame to me. So um, drum breaks for a song in the fifth quarter, that's not an actual drum feature to me seems kind of mundane. It's like pointless. So Southern has been doing that for a long time. And a lot of people are all adding to that and just doing that same thing. Now, like I said, man, fact check me if I'm wrong, but I don't, I thought it seemed like they, from my understanding, they kind of started that. If it wasn't them, it was probably Jackson, but one of the two kind of started that, that, that kind of style of playing like, um, you know, crank up, go to the drum break, tuba drum break, come back in, you know, like, it's just like, you know, I don't know. So, yes, that's the answer is yes. <laughs> I do feel like people are in search of that sound, of that sound. Like Miles, you were talking about Miles earlier, and I'll make this quick. Miles is the type of band to me, you, you were talking about like Miles' sound. What is Miles' sound? Like, I don't know. There's no Miles sound to me. Miles is like Southern in Alabama. Like, that's like, it's just like, sounding the same approach there's no there's no contours there's no moving lines there's no focus on like the we're not focused on any music um aspects that are really going to stick out as different in any of those bands or any of those things that's why alabama state is uh, alabama state steak right alabama state is sticking out right now you hungry i don't know what you <laughs> yeah a little bit <laughs> alabama steak <laughs> alabama state is sticking out right now a little bit to me and Ten uh, tennessee state is too um because that sound the sound is there people know good sound that's why norfolk did well at at the battle they may not have been the most entertaining band but you can't deny the way they sound bottom line all right uh rick are we in search of southern so to answer your question in my opinion the answer is yes and no i want to start where mario ended yes i've got to hit my maya tonight you know <laughs> only, thing need, only thing i need is that that little swoop daddy that I got i'm about to say you got to get the hair swoop daddy right but um <laughs> I got to hit the Maya tonight because the answer, in my opinion, is yes and no. I think to start where Mario ended, Norfolk, like you said, they may not have been the best band there, but you, I mean, as far as entertainment, but you, it was no denying they were the best sounding band in, in attendance. The problem is, is, and the reason why I say yes, is because now that Norfolk has done that 
you're not going to see them on the main stage again. And I think where people are chasing Southern is the notoriety that Southern gets and the past that Southern gets when they're not that great Southern that everybody expects to see. There are many videos online where Southern ones are great. I, one that comes to mind is that battle where everybody was using that one trumpet player that like it was like <laughs> in that meme that it was going around. Them Jackson was a whole bunch of bands in there. There are always, you know, examples, but they get a pass that no other band gets. And I think that other bands want that same luxury to not have to be perfect all the time. And I think that in the nature of our business, they get, you know, I Julian and I, he's heard this a million times. I call Southern the Blue Devils of HBCU bands. You know, that makes sense. That makes sense. Like super consistent, always considered in the top, you know, top three bands, always good talent at the university. Like, I mean, it's just true. You don't have to like Southern to understand that you you aren't going out Southern Southern. So from that standpoint, yes. Also, from the standpoint of now that HBCU man has become identified with who plays the loudest, as Mario was saying, yes, they're, they're searching Southern. You know, I remember being in school before I even knew who Southern was. I had heard people talking about them like, man, they just play super loud. They don't play with no musicality. Because when I went to Norfolk, that's what was important. Being able to add nuance to music, being able to do a big crescendo like the one we did and have crazy in 02. Right. And you go watch that video. To me, that's the highlight of the show. That and the technicality of hot in here. Right. One I was about to say that. Yeah. Being able to play with articulation. Everybody in the, in the horn line double tongue. Like that was that was that was normal to us. So it, you know, that was what's important. Now is man, you gotta blow that hole, you know, and, and that's what people care about. So uh -huh. from that standpoint, yes. The reason I say no is because there are bands that that still hold these things. We were just talking about Mario to be true. Bethune Cookman. A lot of people always talk about how boring they are and all this. Ain't nobody playing ballads better than Bethune Cookman. Nobody. Right. Nobody. Not one band in this in this country, in my opinion, plays ballads better than Bethune Cookman. From timbre to musical nuance, like, you know, they, they are the king of ballads. Um FAMU. I don't know many people that can outplay marches better than FAMU. There's a lot of bands that, that are trying to do things differently. I just think that because the standard has been raised that Southern is what everybody should be, those bands don't necessarily get the credit that they do. And we talked about small bands, what Delenn is doing at North Carolina Central. Their drum line is one of the best drum lines in the country. You know, kudos to Dante. I don't know if Dante's still there or not, but no, he's he's not there no more. He's uh okay. at high school, but yeah. Oh, but he was a, I'm about oh, yeah. to say he was he was there for a while to build that up. Yeah, yeah. he was influential yeah. in establishing that program, man. So yep. you know, I think that if if bands start getting credit again for not sounding like Southern, then bands won't be chasing Southern. But if the if the if the gauge of what's good and what's not is specifically who plays the loudest and who has the best arrangement of a song that they play it the loudest, then yes, everybody will be chasing them. And, you know, it's just it's just the way it is, man. I'm sure That's my... Right, yeah. and, I, and I just sorry to interrupt you right there, bro. Like, 
that's the whole idea of letting people the the culture thing like like who's from our culture and then these people who don't have musical background or whatever we used to seem like we appreciated the differences of bands now we want everything to kind of sound the same and it's the same thing on music if you listen to a lot of radio songs everything sounds the same and marching bands are starting to do the same thing because they're playing the same stuff in the radio like we did back in the day but music sound different back in the day you could hear a song from different artists and it had a different feel and you put it on the field or you put it in the stands and it gave you a different, you know, like invited you to, to do more with the arrangements. Now it's not quite the same. So I mean, I, totally agree. I mean, think about it this way too, Mario, and then I'll get out of your way, Mario. Think about it like this. Part of the reason that the rap daddies have really taken over is because they're easy. It's easy right. to play right. a, a minor, a, a minor chord right. as loud as you can. Right. As, as you get that third in the right place, you can play in tune or up in the right place on the monarchy, but down right. in a major key, man, you can you can play that as loud as you want. And you can it's very little effort there. And then B, I remember when we were in band, like you said, Mario. Man, y'all remember when AT played that slim cut um cut of Calhoun? And we were yeah. all like, man, that shit is rocking. And boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I remember how like, all of us was like, "Man, that joint got rock." We can't even middle finger yeah, middle finger, middle finger you. Yep. Yeah. And then that uh, it's okay. We played that one in Norfolk, and our arrangement wasn't great. No. Um, but yeah, but yeah, like that to me. That's when them rap daddies really started taking off. Because back then we were playing Sweet Love. <laughs> we were playing Sweet Love every fifth quarter, and and can't hide love. Like boy, we'll love you to death back in the day, boy. We love you till we can't love you no more. We'll give you a kiss. Yeah, earth, we, were, we were the earth winning five kings. Yeah, bro. Yeah. And then then we hit that shaft, and that was the talk of the town for a while. Oh one, Mario, when we hit that contagious. Oh, that yeah, was, that, that was crazy. Like all the stuff they got credit back in the day was love songs, man. Who could yep. who sound the best? Now is where I hate you. I hate you so much, and I'm gonna steal your girl, Mister Steal Your Girl. That's all people want to hear. So. <laughs> you sound like an old ass man, bro. <laughs> I do, bro. Hey, <laughs> that's true, girl. <laughs> right, so. old ass man. Maybe it's different with the dancers because you know over here with Maya. Yeah, tell us what you think, Maya. Yeah, Maya. So, Maya, are we in search of Southern? Uh, I mean, yeah, the band as a whole. I think, especially with Black people, we like clout. We like to be gaudy. We like to be flashy. Um, and I think, and we like to be loud. And I think that those are all things, as as respectfully as possible, I think that those are all things that Southern has been known for and what they portray. And that's what I think about when I think of large fan base, the whole camaraderie of it all. In the so, Solely in the context of the movie, Southern is the Morris Brown of Drumline, right? From the band director all the way down, right? Like, we should be playing that. And then everybody else is hit them with a little flight of the bumblebee. You know what I'm saying? So... <laughs> but time is And so I think that Southern gives, or has been known to give, year over year over year. I mean, they already have the club. They already have the foundation. And people just want to be a part. At the end of the day, the blacks just want to be a part. They want to be able to perform. Like we like to but we like to just do shit. And that's what that's what right. stuff does. So uh, absolutely. And, and, and until 
there is no until. There is something about that entertainment factor, that showboating factor that they have, and they do very, very well. There's no, just like, just like Brownie, you were saying earlier, like when people get in that, when people go to Mumford or whenever they see Southern, it's like, okay, well, shit, let me play as loud as I possibly can, or let me outperform or whatever, because at this point, it's just like a, a level that you're trying to reach. Now, is it the level? Is it the prominent level? Is it the correct level? That's a different type of conversation. But in terms of right. just the overall factors that we're talking about, yeah, people just want to be able to, I don't know, Southern exemplifies freedom in the context of band to me. So people want that. So absolutely. Um, I love your answers. You always have like these very sophisticated, nuanced answers. Thank you, you know. Well, let me ask you this, Maya. What about from the dancer's perspective? Because, like, Black Foxes was definitely not trying to chase no no dancing dolls. So what about from that perspective? And, and before you answer that, before you answer that, I, I, I actually was going to ask the same question, but I was going to say something else. Mm-hmm. I remember when Southern played A&T, and I remember Golden Delight prior to Southern playing A&T. I remember Golden Delight after Southern play, playing A&T, and that's when Golden Delight started hitting them glove daddies and all that kind of stuff. I remember that very vividly. So, what, yeah, definitely. What are your thoughts on that in the dancer's perspective? So that's a hard one because there are some things. So when we, Okay, we're talking about the gloves themselves. If we're talking about the overall look of it, the dancing dolls have been known and have done the white gloves forever and ever and for the longest time. Even when Miss Sean was dancing, they they were longer back then, but still the whole aesthetic of the white glove. Now, if we're talking on a a dance basis, if we're talking about structure, white gloves are utilized to be able to bring, just like specs and, and, and gloves in the band, they're used to bring a look and to bring attention to the arm or attention to what you're doing, to the hand, rather. And so, you know, I don't know. But, uh... Yes, I think that even across mm, this is hard. Even across, <laughs> even across different dance lines, there is still that thought of wanting to be prominent. When you think about conversations of dancers, especially when we're talking about HBCUs, and even more so when we're talking about the swag, the dancing dolls are always number one or number two. That's just off top, and I think that it comes. In, in in essence, they have always had a larger foundation. They've always had a larger platform. And when you think about Louisiana in itself and, and, and everything that comes to that, the whole state is based off of or, or, or is attributed to or funnels up to the thought of Southern. There's not many other states where you have pretty just pretty much just one university or one school that everybody is homegrown on. And so I think that has a lot to do to it with it too. And then when you think about, um, I can't, I'm not, uh, it's, it's, I don't know why it's, uh, I don't know why it's uh, leaving me. But Thanksgiving, what's the what's the game every year for Thanksgiving? I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. Oh, Bayou Classic. Bayou yes. Classic. When you think about that and the stage that it has on its own, of course, you know you are. Well, oh wait, I just thought of, I forgot about Gremlin. You see what I'm saying? Gremlin is in the same state, and I literally just forgot about them that quick. Don't worry, everybody forgets about Gremlin, but go ahead. Well, I mean, sure, but but you see what I'm saying, though. Like, because they're not good. I can see well, if we were talking about a band that was, 
Oh, why everybody gasped when I said that I say something that was not true? No. I think in terms of dancer perspective, I think that there are things that people do draw or hit on. I think that if we're being honest, Southern, the dolls have been doing technique for a long time. Now, it's gotten gradually and gradually more prominent, um, but they've always done technique and a lot of a lot of girls weren't doing that. So I think that's something that they've drawn or we've drawn from. But yeah, overall, I think that it starts with the platform itself and being able to be highlighted. They've done parades. They've done this. They've done that. So they've already had that that the platform for people to see them. And then if you add the entertainment factor and everything else that we've already talked about on top, top of it, dan- what we're talking about, dancers or the band itself, same thing. Okay. I, you know, having this conversation and hearing some of you guys, as a matter of fact, man, if you're in here right now, go ahead and smash that like button. Just go ahead and do that. It, it doesn't take long. Just hit the button. All right. But while we're talking about that, though, something just popped in my head while we were having this conversation. I think, Rick, you hit on it. Um, and it's not enough young folks in here to 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 be able to have this conversation. But I think that we can have this conversation amongst ourselves. Why is it that whenever we in that mindset of knowing that we're about to play Southern, we change who we are? Why is that? Why does that happen? I've, because, I, go because ahead. Man, when people yeah, when people when people play Southern, they know that there is a certain expectation in that battle. In order for somebody to be able to say they um, to have other people say that they beat Southern, they have to be able to beat Southern at what Southern is great at. Great at. So, like for instance, you know, I mean, we taught at PV. PV's band got gradually better and better and better over the years that we were there to the point that where they are now, where they have you know almost a four hundred piece band, like they're doing well, but. Nobody knew the traditions of PV. I didn't even know who PV was before I was interested in getting the job. I ain't gonna lie to you, my <laughs> Smitty. Like, I mean, it's just the truth. I didn't know what PV was. I had never heard PV band in my life. I know hey, there was I, tradition there. I grew up in Houston, bro, and I can tell you right now, I had absolutely no interest in. I was matter of fact, I was gonna end up going to Texas Southern before I went to PV. So. Those are big words. It, it, I know. I mean, I hey, I don't mind being honest about it. PV when I was at when I was at Willow Ridge, it, it just didn't. It PV just didn't appeal to me. I'm I'm sorry. So I mean, but but it's the same thing with Norfolk, man. Nobody, a lot of people had never even heard Norfolk before. Better right. yet, knew who they were. Yeah. And right. especially when I was in the band, my rookie year in Norfolk State's band was two thousand. Norfolk State band didn't really start taking off to ninety nine. I know some of the alumni are gonna cuss me out at homecoming. Prior to 99, you had 88, which was awesome. 88 Norfolk State is awesome. The first year they did war. It's uh one year, like 94, 95, Norfolk was decent. But I'm sorry, y'all. Hampton, Hampton ran home when it came to band. And so uh, prior prior to 99, Norfolk had no national presence whatsoever. And then Dr. Sanford got there and we really took off. We played Texas Southern. We did. So I say all that to say. What is traditionally good at other schools is irrelevant when you play Southern. And I think that's the reason why they always are considered to be one of the best is because in order to be considered great above them, you're going to have to beat them at what they're good at. And I don't know many people that can do that. That's why the boombox is so big is because, in my opinion, 
those two bands are so similar to one another. They do a lot of things the exact same way. Obviously, the dancers dance a little differently. I think Jackson has the better drum majors, even though I like that little, little easy daddy that's suddenly hidden. But, you know, other than that, the bands sound pretty similar to one another. So, go ahead, Mark. I, uh, I got a little bit of a different take on it. I, I, I kind of think that um, you, you can beat Southern – and because I don't, I don't look at them. I mean, I so I historically I think fam is the is the shit. Like I think historically fam is the shit, and everybody everybody was chasing that. And, well, and at, then, at one time, right? I, that's what I'm saying. So it's well, like, well, 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 because, well, before you go, let me let me let me yeah. rephrase that. It just depends on what region you were in. I, right, I, I, right, 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 right. So like I didn't grow like when I was coming up. Even at Cass, we was listening to Jackson. Tennessee State and, and fam. I, people was listening to Southern, but I wasn't really listening to Southern like that. I got to college. I mean, I knew about Southern, but I wasn't really checking for Southern that hard in high school. I was listening to Jackson a lot and fam and Tennessee State. And those are the bands that I was really checking out more than anybody else. And I'll say this. Tennessee, Tennessee State has had some great matchups against Southern in the past. Just because they had a great book. I feel like that matchup that Southern had against BCU BCU could have taken that because they sound superior, but their book is whack as hell. They don't play music that's getting anybody up. Their music don't have it's, it doesn't it doesn't have it doesn't take you somewhere outside of the ballots. The rest of that music is it's like I don't know, man. It's like you know J.W. Pepper, you know, feature mm -hmm. tunes that they pulled offline or something like. It just don't sound like something from a black college, in, in my personal opinion. So it didn't have any type of funk to it. Double deduction, right? So, and and I'm saying like, you take like when Norfolk was sitting right next to to uh, to Southern in the stands at the battle, Norfolk was still Norfolk though. They ain't gonna. They were still sounding like Norfolk to me. They didn't sound like they was trying to be Southern. They just sound like Norfolk. I'm I'm saying that some band, not every band is trying to do that, but I feel like in the swack, yeah. in the swack, every band is trying to sound like Southern. That's what I feel like. In the in the MEAC, they don't see Southern. They're not even up against Southern enough to try to do that. Most of these bands don't even have the chops to even sound like that in the first damn place because they don't play like that enough. You got to have the chops to do that shit. Otherwise, you're going to come so out of character that you're going to sound like total shit. Anyway. Like so, right. That's what I'm saying. But Miles, old Miles to me has some chops. But the music, the book in itself to me has to be dope. The years that people love Jackson over Southern, because the music... The arrangements was dope. Like they had the songs that you felt more connected to. The year, I think, was it 2014, uh, 13? One of those years, they had a crazy boombox classic. And I, what I'm saying is basically, long story short, is that when you can be yourself and still out Southern, Southern, I know people, Southern people, like, oh, we the Kings, we the Kings, and all that shit. That's, and it's funny because we always talk about like looking, like looking at this as like a hierarchy thing. I think. If we're trying to out southern southern, yes, they're the kings of that. You can't out southern southern, but if you do what you do well, the hell yeah, you can be better than them. They're not like the the greatest band of all time. That's not that's bullshit. I don't I don't agree with that because I'll take I'll take ninety eight fam or eighty eight fam over a lot of bands because I like the way they sound. Now ninety eight fam, right? If you but if you talking about some blowing shit, I'm gonna take some southern bands right. or I'm gonna take a Jackson band or I'll take. But if you're talking about book and song selection and different type of variations, I'm gonna take Tennessee State for some stuff because I like them. Everybody got a little bit something different, man. And I just I'm not I don't put them on a pedestal to say they're unbeatable. That's like that's ridiculous. 
Well, I don't think anybody said that, but Maya, that's the reason why I love I love PV. I love that's the reason why I loved PV because, like you said, Mario, most of the swag was chasing Southern, in my opinion, especially what we were doing. And I know Prophet was the same. PV is not trying to be nobody but PV, and there. I mean, every band has phases because Mario, you know this too. Like Norfolk has some phases where. Oh nine, yeah, with them damn. Oh nine, oh nine, yeah, like like they were trying to sound like Southern, and then um, they honed that back in and became Norfolk again, and they sound like themselves now. I agree with that. Uh, that post we just got about their Southern drumline, bro, absolutely trash, bro, absolutely trash to me, bro. What's going on, homie? I oh, not yeah, like the drumline at all, man. They are trash, man. And that's the thing. But yeah, that's the thing I loved about PV, man, is that we could, you know, traditionally PV was different from them. They don't look like them. They don't didn't sound like them. And that was the thing I really harped on when I was there. Like, have pride in who you are instead of trying to be somebody else. And to me, that was the the years where we really hit that when I was there. And you know, some old PV years. Those were the best years, in my opinion, of the band, especially when we played them. Like you can say what you want, even in that uncut group, somebody put in there, hey, with Southern, y'all ready to admit that in 2015 y'all caught that L from PV? Because they did. They ain't gonna never say it. They they will never admit that. That that will that will never be something that comes out of their mouth. They they keep I gotta go look at the clips. I don't even know. I gotta go check it out. Go check it out. And now they're gonna use oh, it was homecoming. Man, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. All right, so uh if you're just tuning in, welcome everybody to Talk That Talk, where we have unscripted, unfiltered conversations about music education, band culture, HBCU band culture, and more. Please make sure that you subscribe to the channel, and also please make sure that you hit that like button. Look, man, it ain't nothing but a like button. All you got to do is click it, and we good. That's all we got to do. It don't take that long to click the like button. All right? Can we change the picture for the show? Because it's just got this on there. We can we can erase Ken and put Quan on there. <laughs> put Quan on there. Well, first of all, Ken ain't even Ken's not even on on the joint. The only one who is just us four. It's right. me, you, Maya, Mario. So we right, right now we good. We good. We gonna can we, we take can we take Quan picture at the bottom and just put a like a digital piece of tape and just we put it there. <laughs> mask mask and tape. Quan <laughs> <laughs> just like this. <laughs> I knew he was gonna do that, bro. <laughs> the Satchmo shits. <laughs> it's a picture online, y'all. Me and Mario doing that at, uh, at the building over. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's how all Louis Armstrong's pictures. <laughs> what up, Quan? What up, Quad? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> what's up? What's up, family? What's up? Quad's gonna get get his Rockefeller chain at some point, man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on. Let's move on to the next topic. Next topic. All right. So we were talking about Southern University, and and are we uh, trying to be Southern and catch up to Southern? And when we're talking about that, a lot of the things that end up happening is we talk about arrangements and we and in, in arrangements, we also have to kind of have the conversation about arrangers. Right. Because what's happening and what, what I what I see to be happening a lot um, is that we have a lot of these young guys from 
from these schools, you know, the Southerns, the Alcorns, the Miles, and all these guys who found a computer and 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 was able to access for now found a computer right found a computer <laughs> this <one>. is 1995 <laughs> but 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 was able to find a computer and find finale or uh sebelius and was able to click a whole bunch of buttons in there and it sounds good on the computer and they throw it in front of a band and because they've doubled a whole bunch of parts doubles millophone parts and trumpet parts and things like that they think they're the gods of gods of arrangers and what ends up happening and what I'm seeing in, in the culture is that these arrangers end up thinking they would be top educators. So question, the question on the table is arrangers versus educators. Does one mean they are strong enough to be the other? I don't know. <laughs> go ahead, Maya. You go ahead and kick that off. No. Well, so go ahead, Maya. You got it. You can teach craft. Craft can be taught. Personality and willingness cannot, right? So uh, you can't, I can't tell you how, I can tell you how to extract the thoughts out of my head or I can go ahead and do it myself. But I mean, all this to say, everyone is not a teacher. Everyone does not have the ability to appeal to others. Everyone does not have the ability to construct things in a way in which others are able to pick it up. So, or to tra the transfer of information, everyone does not have that gift. And I think to be a true educator, that is something that you have to have. You have to be able to appeal to others. You have to be able to understand different personalities and you have to be able to attract, motivate and be able to guide people. Arranging is a craft. It's a skill set, nonetheless. Possibly it can be taught, it can be enhanced, but just because you have one does not mean that you have the other. Just because you can write some shit down on paper, it's because you can make. Don't nobody be writing it on paper now, but go ahead. Well, you know what I mean. If we all in the, I don't, I forget the name of the program, but you, y'all know what I mean. Putting Trevor Clifford on the thing, you, you got. <laughs> she got real Texas on you. All right. <laughs> I mean, listen, what they teach that in. I don't know if it's music theory. I don't know. But what I'm saying is that is something that can be taught or that can be carried out. Everyone is not, just last week we were talking about who the best teachers that we've experienced or legends within the music community. And I don't think they're legends because they knew how to arrange. Too, they, that was something that was an added um, part of their skill set. But that's not what they're known for. They're, it's, they're known by the effect that they had, the lasting effect, the lasting approach that they were able to provide. That's what an educator does. So arranging, sure. And and, and no no disrespect. Like it, it takes a massive amount of skill, a massive amount of talent to be able to do so. But I do, definitely don't think a good arranger equates uh, to a good educator or vice versa. I can be able to teach you, or I can show somebody how to dance, but doesn't mean that I can make them a good dancer. If I don't know if I'm able to flip that back, but that's my two cents. Okay. Juan, Juan, since you, you just now walking in the room, you, you get... You <laughs> Here get, you, Jordan. <laughs> uh, arrangers versus educators. Does one mean they are strong enough to be the other? Uh, No. No, not at all. Because I realize you have some great educators that don't arrange. Um, so I don't, I, I don't, I don't think that um, at all. Um, and I think pending the staff that you're uh, working with, high school or, or, or the collegiate level, 
you may have the type of synergy where it's like, hey, I want this. And you have the assistant director of bands that delivers it. But that type of sound, that sound development, you know, that's on the you know director of bands. And that's what he wants and what he's looking for. Um, so I don't believe that one is better than another. Now, in my opinion, I, I will hold the educator above the arranger any day um, because uh, you whatever you're teaching that student, whatever you're teaching uh, that music educator or that music major, that is the, the lasting effect of that's what's going to last and transcend uh, after the fact. So, no, I don't believe uh, I will. If I was in the tier, I would say educator will go always go in front of uh, an arranger. And, and to your point as well, I think it's very scary now because as we saw like during the year of COVID, we saw a whole bunch of, you know, people posting their arrangements. But <laughs> the first thing I saw was like, bro, who going to play that? Like not not being, I was like, who, who's going to play these arrangements with the state of bands in some of these areas? You know, I was always taught you arrange for the band that you have. So my thing was, honestly, if we want to see a realistic competition, I want you to arrange for two trumpets, one saxophone, no French horns, uh, you know, uh, two trombones and one tuba and make it sound, you know, really nice for for some of the situations that's taking place now in, in some of these areas. So, I mean. A lot of these people are arranging. They're not even getting in front of these kids to even teach what they're teaching. So, nah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Rick, arrangers, arrangers versus educators. Does one mean they are strong enough to be the other? No. I mean, I don't think the two are necessarily inherent of one another. I think you have to take people for their ta- what their talent is. I think that as an educator, you can learn all the pedagogy in the world. If you're not able to work with people, you're not going to be a great educator. And I'm saying that from experience. I have met with some people who are absolute musical geniuses when it comes to arranging, who are some of the worst teachers I've ever had in my life and are not um, people. uh, people. Like You can be the best arranger in the world, but if you're not able to motivate people to do what you need them to do, your motivational skills can destroy your band. Um, you, uh, you know, I don't want to get too personal with that, but yeah. So that's the first part of that. Second part of that is arranging skills. Right? Arranging skills can be learned, and I think the challenge that we're facing in most HBCUs is that people are arranging for what they think people want to hear. Like, I get so tired of hearing cross-voicing in these arrangements, I don't know what to do. Like, these empty arrangements. Euphoniums, everybody, are not meant to be in third trumpet range. No matter how much you want them to be there, that instrument is called a tenor tuba. That is the name of the instrument. G's it up. Right. G's about to staffing up. Euphoniums. I think think it goes back to that idea of Chasing Southern things. Southern don't even write like that, bro. That's that's the misconception. They don't write like that. They don't, but people think they do. Yeah. Uh, Somebody 
Volume's too loud. Volume's too loud. But go ahead, Rick. Go ahead, Rick. And look, then the person that was typing on your ass, Jordan, the main person that's typing that was the main one, I'll be like, Jordan. That ain't it. That ain't it. Now he's a hell of a musician. That's my guy, man. I love Jordan. But yeah, man, I just, like, all this cross-voicing and all that, like, I and I'm going to use Jordan and his euphonium section at PV as an example. I write my arrangements the way I think they should sound. I'm not writing cross voices unless I want the baritone to have the melody. It's two things between when you're playing a, a B flat major chord and you literally have the first mellophone and the euphonium playing the same note. Like it, it just blows my mind. And so it's like, you know, I would tell the baritones that baritones play what I wrote, not what's going to be loud. And then also play with the right articulation. Man, we say that so like, many times. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I think it's it's a two-part thing. I think that arrangers need to understand that there are musical concepts that they have to learn before they sit down behind a piano and say, I'm a ranger now, or behind a computer, like Julian was saying, and say, I'm a, a ranger now. I know a lot of people that still arrange from using the piano, and that's a great thing. But exactly. if you don't know what's happening in your music, like simple concepts, too, like how to resolve a five to one using the seven and the three of the core. So you'll have guys that, you know what I'm saying? Like those concepts, people, people I've never heard before, or if I want a more interesting way of, of um, using, doing a five, one, use a sus four in the place of that five. Cause it still serves that dominant, like dominant, things like that. Right. Function. that same, don, same dominant function. Like these young arrangers aren't learning these simple concepts that are, like people like us, Mario, we had to like Miss Sanders won't have this stuff. I remember every day we used right. to Mario, you remember that Bob You remember that? Yep. And Miss Sanders made us learn that in every key. And I'm yep. thinking, like, why is she making us do this? And now I understand, <laughs> man. Like, there are basic concepts that makes great arrangers. So that goes back to the educator side that Quan was saying. If you ain't teaching these kids shit, how can you expect them to, to be able to do what they're supposed to do? Say, Rick, I have a question. Yeah, man. Not to cut you off, I have a question. No, go ahead, bro. Go ahead. Do you feel? Do you feel like then, and because we come from HBCUs, do you feel like that that's a problem in uh, that a lack of teaching in regards of arranging? Um, when you were in college, Quan, do you feel <laughs> like your um, arranging class was adequate to make you a a, a a decent arranger? How about that? Just decent. Well, I didn't have a. I, I didn't have a range in the class. I took an arranging class for my master's program. So my point exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not gonna throw no stones. Yeah. Um, when I took arranging, <laughs> when I took arranging, I played piano half the semester, and my final project was to write a 16 measure arrangement of something. I wrote a 16-minute wow. arrangement of Yes, Jesus Loves Me <laughs> of, of my of my, my chorus. And I put the, you know me, I put the chorus in there. No, it was sweet, actually, but... Your chorus weren't sweet back then, but go ahead. They weren't. They weren't. <laughs> they weren't. Right. They Tell weren't us. terrible. They weren't terrible. Five sep and shit, not <laughs> even <laughs> root-position-ass chords. Yeah, they weren't <laughs> terrible, but they surely weren't what they are now, bro. Right, so, right. <laughs> I mean, but my vocabulary... Everything in root position. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> So I just, just say all that, Quan, to say no. The answer to your question is no. Majority of these HBCUs, 
aren't teaching it, you know, and this is another topic that I know going to piss people off. Maybe we can talk about this another day, Julian. Me and Julian have had this conversation, Quan, and Mario. We've had this yep. conversation so many times, Quan. When I graduated from Norfolk State, I love my university. I met my wife there. I played Omega there. I played Fumio Alpha there. I met some of my best friends in this life, Mario and Julian, and my best friend. All these people, all these great things happened at Norfolk State. When I left that great institution, I was not prepared to be a band director at a high level. Yep. And that's just that's just that's just facts. The reason why I was successful was because the same thing Mario did, same thing Julian did. We gigged all over this, all over the place. I marched drum and bugle corps for five years. So I was around people doing it at the highest level. I was involved in things that helped me gain that 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 other piece that I was missing at Norfolk State. Because at Norfolk State, our scholarships were based on marching me. So I don't, I don't want to get into that. But yeah, Quan, to answer your question, no, I don't feel like I was adequately prepared. Okay, well, let me ask this. So let's say we have, I mean, typically what we do four years in college, allegedly, supposedly, mm -hmm. four five years. Let's say you have top tier teachers, educators. You already have you are put in all the right classes, do you think that that four to five year range is enough to actually prepare you? Or do you think that it's, well, I'm sure that that life experience is going to help, but do you think that it's, that it is possible to be adequately prepared or very much prepared within that four year time frame, Or do you think that that simply isn't enough? In can I answer your question? Let me – oh, go ahead, Mario, because you haven't talked. Go ahead, bro. No, nah, I was just going to say it's just some fluff in people's programs, uh, meaning that sometimes there's classes that you're supposed to take that you don't take, that they allow you not to – if you do this, then you do this. It's too much of a good old boy type of vibe sometimes in some of these programs and schools where the curriculum that's set up um, can work, but if you, gotta, if you take the class, the professor's got to be there. If you take the class, if you take the class, um, people have to do their jobs and the kids have to do their jobs to learn and the professors have to do their jobs to teach. And um, just to, to respond to that, but then just to roll back to what we were talking about, um, man, I'll tell you, when I left Norfolk State, that was that was probably the, the thing I did the absolute worst. It's probably still the thing I do the absolute worst. I'm not an arranger. I've never will claim to be. Um, and I felt it was an insecurity. Like as a music, as a musician, it almost makes you feel like, like, damn, you know, like I got to do this. I got to do this. And it starts to be something you roll in your brain. Whereas other people may be like percussionists that don't play woodwinds. I play, I can play drums, you know, brass, woodwind. I can do all that. All that shit is comfortable for me, but the arranging was not. And so it's like you get, and then it's another part about it. And not to dive into this, that's the same goes for orchestra. Some of these directors get out, they have no idea how to run an orchestra or no parts of any of that, but you're getting music education degree. You don't know how to deal with an orchestra at all, and it's totally different. So that's a whole other conversation. But do I think that, um, obviously, these are totally different things. I could be an amazing arranger, and I know exactly what Rick was talking about, but I ain't going to dive into that because I'm going to just leave that alone because we know exactly what we're talking about, but I'm going to leave that alone. But um, you deal with a situation where Somebody knows they have a great arrangement. They come in front of the band, but they don't know pacing and momentum. Yeah. They don't know differentiated instruction. Yeah. They don't know how to deal with um, uh, special needs. They don't know anything about education and the real things you deal with. More special needs kids in, on the college level. More situations dealing with people who are super distracted very easily. Um, and in your writing preference, 
people are writing preference. So if you see a baritone player writing, he's gonna he or she may end up writing more specifically to their instruments for the strength of the sound. People write to their strengths like of the sound that they want to hear. And that's that chasing southern thing that you were talking about earlier. People like we we put an imaginary sound in our band rather than the sound that's actually in front of us. The band that's playing is the sound you write for, not the band you have in your brain that you've made up, like that you create some amazing thing. Oh, it's gonna be like this. Boo, boo, it's gonna be like this. Boo. You make it up all type of shit in your head that don't even exist in your band because that second boo don't exist because you only have no goddamn baritones or your mellophones is trash or you don't have any of that stuff. So you okay. gotta write for what's there. You gotta write for what's there. So absolutely, absolutely, they are they are they are not exclusive to each other at all. Um, I can get in front of a band and do my thing. I may not be writing it, but I'll I know how to identify those chords. I know how to put that shit together. I know how to do everything else that comes with that. Um, and I'm still working to become better at that. But that was never my strength. And a lot of universities, um, from a lot of people I know, the skills that they have writing were not because they were doing it in their arranging classes. It was because they just was doing it on the side and it just kind of got better over time or it didn't. Well, and the, and the thicker part of that. Yeah, okay. right. Straight up trial no, and error. I was, I was just gonna say trial and error, and you know, studying and and you know, picking different ideas from certain people. I mean, that's kind of how I I really got it. Just trying and trial and error, and studying, and yeah. But here's the thing, Maya, and I I really want to answer your question if y'all will allow me. No, go ahead. This, is a, this is a really specific, allow. but it's it's really specific question, y'all. A uh, really specific answer. To answer your question, Maya, the answer is no for me, because the education that we got in college, in particular as music majors at HBCU, is still based on a Western music canon. When we get in school, the first thing they're teaching us is the fundamentals of theory, which is, is consistent across all music. Those things are great. But then you show up to your lesson. Majority of the people that's graduating from these HBCUs are not going to be playing in the New York Philharmonic. They're going to be doing what Mario does, a freelance musician in New York. They're going to be playing at churches. They're going to play in R&B bands and stuff like that. Very, very few musicians that come from HBCUs even want to be classical players. Better yet, will we'll get to the level where they can be. So that's number one. But yet, when you get to these schools, they're shoving all these things down your throat that they say you have to know. And that's why it's a great video, y'all, on YouTube by Adam Neely that talks about music theory being racist and stuff that's like cool. that. Oh, yeah, I love Adam Neely. He's great. Right. If I'm going to school to be an engineer, while engineering history is important, I need to know how to do what's modern in today's engineering field. We don't get that as music majors. We get four years of music history where all we talk about is Beethoven. We don't talk about jazz. That, that man that just came on here, he is absolutely right. When you have to throw jazz, mariachi, all these other things in the mix, but all you talk about in music history is Beethoven and how great he was compared to all these other. You won't talk about Clara Schumann, who was a great composer. At right. Who, who got all her stuff stolen. Yep. You won't talk about her. Like, so, Trash my, husband. Right. I, I, I say that, Maya, to say there that as HBCU students, and I didn't know this as a student, but I know it now, I've been, have been a professor since 2012. We have to train our students, starting in high school, that you control your education. Mm -hmm. You pay your school, you keep the lights on in your school, and you are going there to receive an education that's going to make you successful. 
not something that I think you should know. At the university that I teach at, they even have um, programs, my where people can build their own major. You don't like you don't you want to do something that's, uh, specific? We don't have a music theory major um, for um, people that want to be therapists. But if that's what you want to do, you can build your own major. How many HBCUs you know doing that? You show up for a dance class, and then yeah, how you not know who Alvin Ailey or Barishnikov is as a dancer? You know, so that's 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 the challenges that we face. Maya, as music education students, is that when we showed up to school, that was the first part. And then the last part, and I'm going to shut up, and my, and Julian, Quan, and Mario, I know y'all can attest to this. The last part of it, Maya, there's a lot of people in the classes with us that shouldn't be there. Right. HBCUs, we want to give everybody an opportunity to be in college. The fact of the matter is, everybody ain't meant to be in college. If you don't have the talent to be a music major, we need to be able to tell our people, unfortunately, this might not be the career for you. It if, is, you if you can't dance, you ain't going to make the New York, um, the Met. You're just not. Or the um, ballet company, sorry. You're not going to make that. But because we are compassionate and we want all our people to be successful, there are people, I tell this story all the time, Mario, do you already know where I'm going? Mario, we were sat in Maya, we sat and went on Sama one time. All of us <laughs> all of us are sitting there. And there's a percussion student in the back that was playing timpani. Timpani is a tuned instrument. You actually have to play specific notes on that instrument. So we going along and Mr. Adams is up there and Mr. Adams stops the ensemble like, what the hell is that? And so he ran it again, and we all like, man, that turned me out of tune like a mother. So, <laughs> so Mr. Adams, he shuts the whole rehearsal down, and he's like, oh, excuse me, son, you have a B-flat. Uh, sing a B-flat, because you, you're playing the wrong note. And he was fine. Sing a B-flat. This dude sung Z-flat, A-sharp minor, a upside down, inside out, A, B, C, D, E. Ain't get close to that damn B-flat. <laughs> and Mr. Adams lost it. This same person has a master's degree in music. So that's that's the experience that, you know, sometimes people aren't meant to, no matter how much they want it, sometimes you got to learn to say no. I mean, I feel you. you, you Y'all want to know why I'm not nobody, why I'm not a dance director, why I'm not a dance teacher, why I haven't started a studio or none of that. I I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with non-talented people. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just, I can't. I, I'm serious. Like, hell, even, even at PV, like, yeah. some of the stuff that we had going on, I was not for it, but I, I couldn't make no changes. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I feel you. That's with everything. So, I'm Every right band in this country, every single band, I don't care how good they are, every single band has somebody out there that's holding that's on the yeah, I, I was I was just going to mention this because Maya said this when you asked the question, you said, is it enough time? I think it's enough time. I just think the curriculum is is poorly suited. Yeah. So I think you could get it done if you didn't have the Eurocentric version of education that we're supposed to be forcing down each other's throats at HBCUs um, or anywhere for that matter. Like, I just think it's other things to study. If we are in a build it as you want, you know, type of culture in America, we should education should become more of that edge and, and HBCUs being that they're smaller could be a, a strong sample size of how to do that properly, how to cater your education to the kids needs and to their lifestyle interests, rather than 
forcing them a bunch of prerequisites to then have them come out and do nothing with their degrees. Culture. So, I mean, and think about it like this, Mario. Right. Oh. Right, culturally responsive. Mario, think about it like this. You, we were required, Mario, to take four year, uh, four semesters of music history. What's the matter with maybe taking two semesters to cover all, as much of that Western canon as you can? Because, I mean, let's think about it. We live in America. I am a... <laughs> what you say? One of the comments say, what's up, gentlemen? I said, I am a lady. Oh, yeah. Right. Watch right. it. You better watch it. <laughs> right. Put them curls is popping. You pop your way. Um, but <laughs> like American music, we are Americans. American music is more Louis Armstrong created American singing. So why aren't we studying the harmonic language of, of Louis Armstrong in the sense of RB, all these things? That is more directly <laughs> tied to Louis Armstrong and Dizzy Gillespie to anything Bach would. Shoot, the music that Bach and those guys were playing, they were playing on instruments that didn't even have valves <laughs> or keys. You know right. what I'm saying? So playing well, clavichords and shit. Right. <laughs> no. So I think my I think your I think your question was awesome, but I think that the answer your I agree with Mario. I think there's enough time, but it just has to be smartly done. And we can't keep subscribing to the same ethos that was there just right. because it came before us. I did it, so you got to do it too. Right. Like it's ridiculous. Sound like some pleasure. All right. But so I'm saying, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. But um, <laughs> yo, the cues be cracking me up with that shit, man. All right. So, uh, yeah. But it was a lot of great answers and great responses from that, man. We got to move on. We got to move on. Uh, so if you're just joining us right now, everybody, welcome to Talk That Talk, where we give unscripted, unfiltered conversations about music education, band culture, HBCU band culture, and more. Please make sure, please make sure when you come in that you smash that like button. I got to put it up on the screen. Smash the like button. It don't take much to click that like button. So make sure you click that like button and make sure that you also subscribe to the network. Uh, we're going to continue to have more and more and more and more content as time goes on. All right. All right. We ready for the next topic? Let's do it. All right. So um, we were talking about uh, arrangers. That's really kind of how it started. <laughs> arrangers versus educators. And I think it got more deeper into the educators, which which is great. And I kind of want to continue on on this journey because um you know, one of the things that I'm seeing, or or at least from my anecdotal experience, what I'm seeing, is, especially in low socioeconomic communities, is that there is a lot of focus, and I know Quan talks about this a lot, there's a lot of focus in most cases on the high school programs. But my question is, have we forgotten about the middle school programs? Have we forgotten about the middle school programs? And Quan, you seem like you're ready to go. So uh, go ahead, fire off. Go ahead, Let's go, Quan. It's on you. So, absolutely, we we have. Um, and and I've been a high school band director uh, going on three years, but the fun, honestly, is really at the middle school level. When you're speaking about numbers, creativity, you know uh, the the freedom to just be creative with your teaching, because you got to remember, first of all, they're a, they're a sponge. 
And, and so they, they'll soak up whatever that you're teaching, first of all. Uh, so when it comes from a, a pedagogical aspect, maybe the method that you tried your first year may be completely different. You could revamp it your second year and, you know, you can compare your uh, results. But honestly, the drive that they have in my, from what I've seen as middle school students is completely different when they hit the high school level. High school level, you know, they kind of grown like the old folks say they'd be smelling their stuff a little bit. It's kind of different. But that middle school level, when you put that trumpet or that instrument and that in that child's hand and you build their confidence with it. Honestly, in my opinion, that sets the groundwork and plants the seeds for them to take that uh, this talent that we uh, call music to heights that's, you know, above and beyond. Uh, I think when you get to high school, the marching aspect is fun. But what I realize is most people shy away from middle school because they don't know how to teach. It's it's a completely different beast when you have to teach a kid, take this mouthpiece, put it on your lip. What method are you going to use? You're going to do the flip up, whatever the case may be. You have to be a different type of teacher because everybody, I mean, no one is the same. And the way they, they understand and process things is completely different. I loved middle school teaching, loved it. And if you have enthusiasm and confidence, your middle, your middle school program is going to thrive. But I feel like we lose them in the process from transitioning, especially in urban areas, from middle school to high school. Because, and I, and I only could speak from what I've seen, what I've seen in Houston, uh, they only really focus on drum lines uh, for the middle school. And so um, you end up killing stuff later. Okay. Uh, I was about to hit you with the chief daddy. Mario, Mario. You can have say we, chief, bro. That's my nickname, dog. Gotcha. Uh, have we forgotten about the middle school programs? Um, absolutely, man. I'm in here in Newark, New Jersey, and um, everything that I do, I'm 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 having a really rough year. I was actually having a long meeting today. I was yawning earlier because I was just had to have a whole meeting with a, a a kid, and then another, and then a then another director. It was just a lot going on today, and I am um, starting these kids from scratch, man. And you get kids who are in the ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade, trying to start an instrument. It's like it's so it's so daunting and it's very, very difficult. You know, seventh grade is to me already late. I think you should be starting your instrument third and fourth grade. You should be already on it. Um, Mac was asking um, beginning band teacher was my first lesson. And for me, what I do, I always introduce the elements of music before we don't play an instrument. We talk about the elements of music and I break down each one and I, and I use song examples to, to break down the elements of music. So, you know, we talk about, um, genre, obviously, we're talking about tempo and meter and, and rhythm and all this other stuff. And I talk about how everybody listens differently. And so when we when we go after music, we listen to things for our specific interests. Some of us feel like the beat makes us drive. Some people like melodies that drives them. Some people like the tone of someone's voice that drives them. Whatever it is, and I'm trying to help them find their musical voice through the elements of music. So I think that... Um, young musicians because i don't really i'm not training them necessarily because i what in my school i don't train kids necessarily to be musicians i'm training them to be music listeners 
And I know that's that's kind of like counterproductive to my whole process, but I know of, of a whole class of 25 kids that's coming in beginning band, maybe two of them will play their instrument after that year. So all the work I'll put in, two of them will come in. And of the two, I may get one that they'll actually put in my class for the next year. I have 120 beginners right now, and I have six kids in my advanced class. Six. And of the six, only three of them are actually advanced. The other three, other three never had my class. They just threw them in there because they had nowhere to put them. So imagine if all the kids that I had had middle school band. You know what I'm saying? So it, it changes a lot. So it's it's become it's very, very, very difficult, man. I got classes that are way overpacked. And it's it's daunting. It's it, it makes you exhausted coming into work. So yes, we have forgotten about middle school programs. And no, we don't even allow band directors up here can't even recruit because it's nothing to recruit from. You got to build your own thing. You have to create your own farm system and hope it works. Wow, bro. Um, wow. Uh, Maya, let me ask you, well, let me let me state this. Uh, I've known, uh, and I know that you have a, a, a bit of a music background as well. So I, I, I enjoy the fact that you're on the show because you can give a lot of different perspectives uh, your, from your musical side and your dance side. Um, I know for a fact that I've worked in two areas that had middle school dance programs, but I don't see a lot of them in a lot of places. So when it even comes to this question on the musical side, but also on the dance side, have we forgotten about middle school programs? Yes. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of even when I was in school or programs that I'm aware of. I think it's only one school that has an arts program within the middle school area in the Dallas area. I can't even think of the school's name um, right now, but it's, it's, categorized as a performing arts school but no absolutely and i think that the reason why is investment or lack thereof i believe that it's more so of and Kwan, you, you you definitely hit on it you were saying in terms of an education basis or a willingness i think people are going into it or wanting perfection you're expecting to have a competition or a field ready program whether it's dance whether it's music or whatever the case may be and no one is willing to actually putting into in the work and so i think that that's a large piece of it no one that 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 seventh eighth grade time like you said it's very sponge like it's a very very critical piece of the development of a child and where they're going to go, either you're going to make them or you're going to break them at that point. And instead of instilling the motivation, instilling the confidence, instilling structure in that point in time, people are wanting to have high school collegiate level programs and it's just not feasible. So if you'd have nobody that is willing to invest or say like, hey, I will teach these programs and those programs are not going to thrive. Nor, and even if they there is a program, nor is it not only not going to thrive, but it may not be a program at all because you don't have anybody that has the willingness to say, hey, I will put, place myself in this environment to enhance whomever is willing to learn or whomever is willing to be a part. And so from there, it, it starts from the top in this type of situation. If you have no one that is there that is ready to work and wanting to work and, and put in that investment, then yeah, so absolutely they've been thought, um forgotten about and that starts 
the long the lineage of downhill battle that's what makes y'all's job a little bit harder that's what makes that high school level because at that point they don't care they've already missed missed the opportunity to say like i feel passionate about this i feel confident i want to be able to enhance my skills or enhance um the development or, or the coursework or whatever it is and at which point especially when at them high school kids they got attitudes anyways. They're dealing with so many other things right. or what have you. If they don't have anything that makes them want to be a part, you've already lost them. So now recruitment from the higher levels or recruitment for collegiate or recruitment for high schools, it, it's non-existent because you exactly what you said. There's nothing to pull from. So, yeah, they've absolutely been forgotten about. And it's it's tough because from that point, it makes everything else 10 times harder. Yeah. Okay. All right, Rick, have we forgotten about the middle school program? No, we haven't forgot about middle school programs. We've forgotten about the position that middle school's whole programs hold in the succession of becoming a great musician. I want to start with all these middle school marching bands that I see. Um, Where are those at? Oh, they are all over the place. Man. Oh, they, they Especially did. in New Orleans. Quan, I know you know what I'm talking about, man, down there. Oh. Like, these middle school marching bands in particular. What's that one? Spain? I mean, uh, yeah, Spain, Spain, Spain one? Spain and Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah but that, isn't that one that had a marching Yeah, yeah, band? yeah. I'm just talking about ain't nothing in New Jersey. <laughs> ain't not right. one. But not like, one. <laughs> so the purpose of middle school band, and I hope that brother Jesse that's on here, Jesse, or I'm, I'm, I hope it is the brother, but. Jesse, um, I hope you are able to jump on, man, because you've had some really good insight tonight. But, right, um, for sure. Um, the purpose of middle school band is for armature and skill development. That's the purpose of middle school band. The issue we're dealing with yet right now, y'all, is we come from a different generation than the student that's in school right now. Um, to us, most of us came from areas where there were very successful band programs. And as middle school kids, we knew we wanted to one day be in that band program. I'm from Portsmouth, Virginia. Everybody in Portsmouth that was African-American had either a family member, including their mother or father, that went to IC Norcom. So everybody at home wanted to go to IC Norcom in some way, shape, or form. I did not go to IC Norcom, even though my mom and dad went there for a little while. Um, I went to Churchland High School, which was the core style band all the way on the other side of town. And I'm happy I did because that get uh, opened me up to a different side of band that I didn't know about. Like we used to joke on church when I was was younger, but I knew I wanted to one day be in Norquin's band. So when I joined the band uh, and uh, at Waters, which was the same school I taught at when I um, started teaching, mm-hmm. um, I remember that. I knew, yeah, that was like the that was the goal. I wanted to be in IC Norquin's band, and then not only that. BB bought uh, at the time. Matter of fact, no, I think, yeah, BB bought the band over to Waters to play for us. So not only did I know I wanted to be in Northern Van just because knowing the other band, but then to have them actually come to us and play, I was like, man, that's the band I want to be in. So for me, I was like, okay, the only way I'm going to be in Northern Van is if I learn how to play this trumpet. And I had that, I had that patience that a lot of this young generation doesn't have. Because as I said in another broadcast, music is hard. It's hard to develop an armature. It takes years to develop an armature, not, not days, not months, to develop a true armature that is free-blowing 
and doesn't have a lot of stress in it takes years. And a lot of these kids don't have that patience. So they'll be in your band class for a semester or a year, and they're like, man, I suck at this. This sucks. So I'm, I can at least go learn how to do a computer or football or whatever. I can be Barry Sanders. So I think we're dealing with a lot of kids who don't have the patience that we did. Some do, and there's a lot of great musicians out there. Um, that's the first part. Second part is middle school bands. Band in general, y'all, is a lot different from when we started taking band. From right. the standpoint of, I remember having to take the same type of SOL testing and, and standardized testing that these kids take, but it wasn't something where they were going to pull me out of class unless I like failed the test or kept failing them or something like that. Now, these they, they actually schedule classes around testing and stuff like that. So these kids don't see what we do now as a viable option to make money and have a career. They think that being a musician is being, you know, the next uh, hip hop star or um, Jay Setton. I think that's what this dancing thing is now where all these got these little dance groups. Everybody's Jay Setton or, um, you know, that these are the things they see on TV, just like us. We saw Southern on TV. The Boombox Classic was huge on Thanksgiving. Like Maya said, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Because we all associated it with that. You don't see our style of band on TV no more. So I think there's a lot of different facets. I don't think people have forgotten about middle school bands. I think that middle school bands have forgotten what their purpose is. And then finally, I'll get out of the way by saying the job of a middle school band director is to make the high school band director better. If you don't have a great relationship with your high school band director as a middle school band director, you're not doing your job. You're just not. You're not good at your job because ultimately, if you're not trying to um, put that love of music in these kids and actually preparing them to be in the high school, you're not doing your job. And I know some schools have better feeder programs than others, but if you have a feeder program, your job as a middle school director should be to try to make your high school better. And the only way that's going to happen if students are prepared when they go to high school. It's a shame that a kid leaves middle school and can't play the B flat, E flat, A flat, F and C major scales. You know, so like we said, there's no such thing as bad students. There's only bad band directors. So, so, so I do want to. I do want to. I, I, I thought about this comment. What I realized, pending that area of that middle school, I realized a lot of middle school administrators they go the cheap route. <clears throat> and what I mean by that is, they'll just have uh, an after-school drumline, and I've seen it. Uh, I was teaching at a particular middle school and I walked in the, uh, they say they wanted a band program. I walked in the band hall. I literally saw uh, two sets of marching battery. <clears throat> I'm talking about one set of Yamaha drums and one set of Pearl. I'm talking about they had more percussion instruments than Prairie View drumline than Jesus we had Christ. in the box. Like I'm talking about, like they had 14 snare drums, like, what? like for real, and that's what the principal was pushing. Hey, we gotta get you gotta get drumline ready. Like that was their mindset, and they thought band was a drumline with the dance team. Mm-hmm. That that was their that was their aspect. But that's because they watched that same movie, Quan, just like everybody else. Like right. the only representation of what we do is a fictionalized movie. 
they're gonna have that same character, their you know, characterization. They're gonna think that we can put a band together in, in a week for a huge performance in front of thousands of people. Because oh, we're, we're magicians, not musicians. Right. That's, right. that's um, where that come from. That damn movie changed a lot of things, bro. And so that's one aspect of you know revolving door about just the drumline competitions and whatnot. But also what I realized then you add substitutes. I've also seen schools where They'll say, well, we don't want band at all, but we'll offer guitar class because it's cheaper. Or we're just going to offer choir because we know we could just purchase a piano and then you do your thing and then that's it. So, I mean, I think everybody's, you know, on point uh, in regards of this this middle school conversation. We've just forgotten it. People don't want to honestly, people don't want to honestly put in the work to actually teach and do what's right by those students, which making it harder for us at the high school level. I, I would say this, this is, this is my last little comment on this, man, is that um, you have situations like, like Juan was just talking about, um, when you have people who don't really care about what's going on at those levels, they're always going to try to find a scapegoat to kind of go the easier route to do whatever they're, whatever, whatever's happening. Um, I know here in middle school in New, in New, in New, I won't say in New Jersey, but in Newark, um, most of these kids don't play. They haven't had music at all. Not even like general music, nothing. They just have had nothing. They had in an elementary school for like, they played recorders and then they'll see me in high school. And then that's the extent of their whole experience. And so for me, I, I guess I look at it like when, when I hear people even talking about drum lines, I would just, if we, if we had that, I'd be okay, like, I'd be okay with something. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like something to offer the kids. And then sometimes you got this idea where you're supposed to be like, I'm I'm a fun I consider myself a fun teacher. I think I'm a fun teacher, but you, you know, you you it's almost like you got to go through hoops sometimes to try to keep kids excited. And that's like some of that stuff is not even sustainable, bro. Like it's like you can't be that person every day. Like it's like that's a lot. That's taking a lot out of you to like to be that person. Like I was just talking to my kids. I had a meeting on Monday and we had we're doing I'm I'm over jazz band, marching band, concert band, rock band beginning band, middle school band, and um, and setting up private and doing private lessons with kids in the morning. Me, <laughs> myself. That's why I was yawning when we first came on because I'm exhausted. I had to leave early because we was on this on this tonight. Well, I'm glad we gave you a reason to to, to step on out. Of here. <laughs> We're doing something. It's good. too much, bro. It's too much. It's too much, though. It's not sustainable and it's not realistic. And if I was a, if I was a person that was in charge of the district, they need to do better. But this is what we're dealing with in Newark. I want y'all to see that. Let's see. I don't even, I can't even see it. Teacher shortage leaves Newark schools with 120 unfilled positions as classes start. That's Newark. That's the type of stuff we're dealing with here, man. It's exhausting. Absolutely. <laughs> it's exhausting, bro. Not sustainable at all. People burnt out before they turn 50, bro. And, and, and Kevon, if you, uh, if you can, Hop on, man. I, you know, I would love for them to hear your your teacher situation. You know, I posted the link in there, but but go ahead, go, go ahead, Chief. That's all I got, man. I just wanted to, you know, I ain't want to hold it up too much longer. I, I know we got to get out of here, so it's all good. Okay, uh, Rick. Any final thoughts on this uh, topic? I think as educators, we we know how difficult our job is, and. I think that's one thing that we do learn in college is how difficult it is. <laughs> right. 
So I think that in general, we as people just need to do a better job of understanding, you know, coming into this gig is not going to be easy. You're not going to make a lot of money doing it, but you have to have passion. This is the job that is, is specifically based on passion. So understand that people and understand what oh, we're yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. And uh man, that that uh that definitely was a, a definitely great discussion, man. Uh, man we, we really got it in. Really got it in. Okay, so um I appreciate that. I gotta put that one. Sure, Mac. Appreciate that, Mac. Appreciate that. For sure, bro. Um, but you know, uh, if you're just coming in, I got to make sure I do this every time. If you're just coming in, welcome to talk that talk. Oh, welcome to talk that talk. We hey, what's up, sis? Unscripted, unfiltered conversations about music education, band culture, HBCU band culture, and more. Please make sure, man, that you guys subscribe to the platform. I'm telling you, we're gonna have a lot more things coming up. There's some things that I got in my brain right now that I'm trying to put into the works. There's some things that I've had a, a private discussion with a couple of these these folks on the panel about uh, that, that I'm trying to put into work as well. So, uh, you know, please subscribe to the network. Whenever you see us on, as soon as you come in, just automatically hit that like button. If you haven't hit the like button now, go ahead and hit it. Uh, we'll give you some time. Uh, but we are going to get on out of here. Uh, so let's do this like I always do it. Rick, any final thoughts? Anything you got for the culture? Uh, yeah, man, I, I'm going to go a little personal tonight. Y'all already saw it probably on Facebook, but I want to say rest in peace to my cousin, uh, Louie, who passed away today, man. Um, was one of the biggest mentors, both musically and just as a person in my um, developmental years. Um, if anybody had a favorite cousin, he was probably my favorite cousin, man. We were very close. He was like a brother. So I want to say rest in peace to my cousin, man. We love you. We're going to miss you um support black always support our people you know we can't do this without one another so just know that we need each other and let's stop hating on each other and killing each other and support one another and then lastly guys um just in general there's a lot of great things happening for black bands that are coming down the pipe recently i touched on this briefly uh in a podcast that we did earlier with just Quan julian and i and a couple other people but um, U.S. bands and Blue Devils Entertainment are uh, partnering to form a, um, a HBCU uh, style marching um, assessment um, organization. And the first couple of shows are happening this year. On October 30th, we have a show that I'm judging at uh, Prairie View. And there's another show that's going to be in uh, Atlanta the week before. So there are some big things happening for our bands. And the only way that this thing becomes big is if we support it. So if you're available October 23rd in Atlanta or October uh, 30th in Houston, come out and support these great bands that are um, going to be participating. Oh, oh. Uh, oh. Real quick before I move on to uh, Chief. What up, Walter? How you doing, Six? You all right? You good? I just got to throw that up there. All right. Man, can uh, we start putting all that alpha mess on the show? God, leave me, man. <laughs> You hey, you gotta know. You, you ain't gotta know. All right, you, we need more of this cute history. You were throwing up <laughs> <a circle. laughs> We can get six in here. 
All right. We need more cute dogatry on the show. Bark, 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 bark. We don't need that mess. All right. Hit him with the Maya, it's a picture. When we were in college, everybody else throwing the hooks. I'm just standing in the front like this. You no, it's true. It's true. He really did that. It's a it's a true situation. I've seen pictures. I know. He listen, that's that's how, yeah. Anyways. Uh gee, any final thoughts? Man, my final thoughts is to all the um band directors, young and old, man, because sometimes the old band directors are getting forgotten too, you know, in public schools. They um working have been working so hard, they're burnt out. Um, they're, they've lost their connection to some of the kids. Administration's giving them a hard time. They're at the top of the salary, so they're e they're, people are eager, eager to get rid of them. Um, and if you're a new band director, it's like you're trying to figure out your way, find your niche, find the kids that like, like consistently want to work with you and, and get an administration that cares about what you're doing, man. Just keep your head up, man, and um, know that I, this is how I live, man. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go as hard as I can do this so I can't do it no more. And when I can't do it no more, I'm going to go get another career. That's what I'm going to do. So don't go and half-ass your job, man. Do your best because, remember, these kids could be your kid. These kids could be one of us that's on this call. And if it wasn't for somebody going hard with us and being able to give us an opportunity, uh, we you know, we wouldn't be here either. You know, So um, it'd be important to make sure you pour into them because for every one, you know, every 20 kids you get, you may get one. You may get one, and that one may be the next Prince or Michael Jackson or whoever else, man. So we just got to keep pouring into them as much as we can. When you can't give no more, <laughs> uh, you know, get another gig. <laughs> that's my that's my two cents, man. All right. Uh, hey, Dean Dean Hill, Maya's band director. He was Roy Hargrove's band director. That's yeah, enough said. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Enough said. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. Godfather of Dallas. Quan, uh, any final thoughts? While you're talking, you on mute. You're on mute. You, you you on on mute. mute. Good, because he probably had to stay in that alpha mask. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, three, now nah, three things. First of all, shout out to Maya for matching her lipstick with a dog collar. I oh, see you coordinating. I nails, but yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 I see it. Uh, <laughs> number two, uh, I do want to uh, tell all band directors, man. Uh, you know, I, I'm still young, so at the end of the day. Don't be afraid to ask, bro. <laughs> like, like, don't be afraid to ask. I asked yep. Julian some questions about some scores and different things on today. Like, if the only way you're going to get better, regardless if you had a great experience doing your undergraduate days or if you were seeking um, a postgraduate uh, degree, at the end of the day, you need to be asking questions because there's there's always room to grow uh, in this craft. And uh, thirdly. Um, I'm going to have actually a campaign um, um, through the grace of God. Worthen, uh, Ebony Worthen High School has been invited to participate in the National Fourth of July Parade in Washington, D.C. So we're going to start this campaign uh, from Worthen to Washington. I'm sorry, I did. So uh, I just want to make sure that uh, we're going to do be raising these funds because I want to make sure that my students have an opportunity to fly first class and then go see some of these HBCUs in Washington and then meet some of y'all lovely people that's in the area. So Mario Chio. <laughs> Mario Chio. 
I'm just saying so. Uh, Support. That's that's, that's yeah. So, so I, I bless God for that. But uh, but now just just keep supporting. Uh, keep supporting music education. Keep supporting this podcast. Uh, that's giving honestly a real uh, aspect uh, and a real relevant um, point of view of music education and what we're dealing with on a daily basis. All right. And finally, What's good, Ma? uh <laughs> Maya. And he's talking about good mom. Good mom. I agree. Good with everything. Um, let's see. I mean, needless to say, the this is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. I, I'm happy to see new faces uh in the comments. Um the conversation is moving forward, we're progressing, we're getting a little bit deeper, and we're doing exactly what we need to do to put people on notice, to put to, to expand the conversation and to provide different perspectives so we can progress the culture where it needs to be and where it has the ability to grow to and aspire to. Um, with that being said, put your money where your mouth is. We we, we, we have to, at the end of the day, shit take money. <laughs> money right. makes the world go around. And for us to be able to do the things we do and make the levels um, and the capacities in which we want to see this culture grow, we have to put our money where our mouths is, where our mouths are, excuse me. And if we can't put up our money, then, I mean, reach one, teach one, share a link, uh, tell a friend to tell a friend, any ear or any new perspective is growth. Any any new opinion is progression. Um, any the visibility is progression. So let's just keep doing what we're doing. Uh, Y'all know exactly where to find us. Hopefully we can continue this for, for, for however long this is supposed to continue to be effective. So, yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, all, all of this is going to be a couple of announcements. So the first thing I want to do is announce the fact that if you didn't know, we actually have a Facebook page. Right. So if you want to go over and continue the conversation on the page, you can. Uh, it is Talk That Talk. It is on Facebook. So just look that up, put it in the search, and then you can continue the conversation over there. Also, I see a lot of people, a lot of people hit me up like personally. and They're like, hey, man, I want to get in on the show, blah, 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 blah. When we I just want to make sure I put it out there. Whenever we finish our topics, you are able to click the link. I will always put the link in, in, the, in the description or excuse me, in the comment section. And then you will be able to click that link and then you can come in with us and you can have any comments or, or thoughts or uh, put your opinions out there for anything that we've already talked about. So uh, that is available for you. Another thing is we have the Instagram page as well. Uh, I try to keep that as active as possible. Uh, but we have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. So you can please go over there, uh, uh, follow those pages, like those pages, get in on the conversation. We want to try to keep this conversation up and try to get as many people in on the platform as possible. So if this is your first time over here, share this information. I'm always uploading new videos. Share it with as many people as you know, educators, band heads, get them out there. Uh, because I personally think this is the greatest music educator band show that's probably out there. We ain't just, you know, looking at videos and, and hating on people. We're actually having real conversations here. Thank you for tuning in to Talk That Talk. Find us on social media outlets and YouTube at Real Talk That Talk. Talk That Talk is a brand of the Passion Is Network. You can contact Passion Is at passionis1919 at gmail.com. If you would like to contact the panel of Talk That Talk, email us at realtalkthattalk at gmail.com.